I, I get what you're saying. It's all true. I'm not sure if we're actually getting any deeper on this or actually, I'm not sure where we're going with this is my point. So welcome to AB testing podcast, your modern testing podcast, your hosts, Alan and Brent will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now on with the show. Zencaster, you're my bitch. Yes, I got to witness it. The long, hard-fought battle Alan had against the inanimate objects now, I, I gotta has be nice now here. won. Because remember, last time, Zencaster died on me in the middle, and I was upset. But it's okay. This time, I'm trying to be very nice to it. I know how to caress it. The audio was coming out the wrong speaker, so what you do to trick Zencaster into loving you again, because that's what we want to do. We want to trick it into loving us again. That's all about relationship building. You change the audio setting to something else, save that, and then go back to the one that it said it was doing before, and it will suddenly work. Feels like a bug to me. Now Zencaster and I love each other. And we're going to love each other for about the next 45 minutes, and we're going to together. When, when a man and his software love each other very much, they come up with a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is nearing creep, creepy. Yeah, yeah no. It's yep. just, uh, and, and, I, and I don't, I don't want to raise alarms, but in terms of the little audio signal, don't I see yours. No, 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 I don't, don't see mine. I see yours. It's good. Yeah. So I see it and I can fix levels and everything and post prod. It's where I go bleep out the stuff. I get rid of... I try and make myself sound smarter and Brent less dumb. It's a lot of work, but it's fun. What I want to kick off with here is really extending a little bit on our last podcast with Dagna, but just really taking the elephant in the room and hugging it with both arms. Yeah, that that was that was a bit coincidental, huh? That well, you know, from my position, I you know I was. I've been working on, you know, unfortunately the layoffs we had at Unity for um, several months. So I knew that was going on mm. while we were talking about that. But, you know, the industry overall, there's a lot of um, a lot of folks we work with. Jim Moore, one of the three, after 26 years at Microsoft, was laid off. I was not aware of that. As well as, did you ever work with David Klein on Xbox? No. He worked, it, he just, I knew him for a long time. I mentioned him for a while. Just really, really cool kid. I call him a kid because he's younger than me, but he's probably your age. Um, anyway, he was laid off also after 31 years. It kind of blows me away. And then I noticed your uh, your name on our Zencaster session. But still love you, Zencaster. Is still employed. Yep. Yep. I have lots of thoughts and takeaways and 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 some comments, but but how are you doing? I mean, it's it's weird. A lot of a lot of folks are no longer your coworkers. What's that like? Well, so it's first and foremost, it's it's horrible, uh, right? There's there are a lot of mentees, old old friends, like um, rumors going around. Uh, anxiety is high. I didn't know about Jim. I'm still kind of reacting to that. I want, I want to tell a Jim story here a little bit. Remind me. Jim is in one of the two 
two groups that I am aware basically got hammered. And there's another group that I've heard of, uh, but one of my buddies in that group, I still see that they are very much online. So one of the things that's tough for me, and, and we should talk about, about you as well, right? One of the things that's tough for me is I have, I have a relatively large team as, for a frontline manager. I have a relatively large team and that's something that they want to talk about, right? They, they like, well, how is this decided uh, at this point in time? It's, it's not clear to me, right? Well, is it all done at this point in time? It's not clear to me. I have worked with my team long enough to know or for them to know that I'm going to be transparent. I may not. If, for example, I do know something and right, I cannot share, I will tell them, look, I know something uh, that's related to that and I cannot share. It, it'll be a different version of that, but credibility is my currency and I'm not going to violate that. And, and so I actually had a very long conversation with one of my employees yesterday. And I said, it's fun having a conversation around layoffs with a data science team, right? Because <laughs> I can go into use data science terms. I'm like, look, what you're asking me to do is build a predictive model where I I not I not only do not know the 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 label for the golden set, I don't know the features for the golden set, and I don't know the rules for the golden set. So if I were to build a predictive model, like what you're what you're asking me to do is is tell you, Brent, what's the probability that you that I'm gonna get laid off? Literally is some number between zero and a hundred. I am ask chat GPT. <laughs> yeah. And I said, and I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be very honest with you, Alan. For me, that's a little uncomfortable because uh, all the other prior layoffs, I've been pretty well connected to the communication network. Right. I, I've been able to learn or glean more of what must be going on. Pretty good at inferring from, oh, that team's doing making this decision. This other team over here is doing that decision. Oh, okay. The overlords must have been going down this path. Right now, I don't I don't know the policy here. And I, and I said, there's two things. Number one, this is a model that's in terms of predictive model, this is a model that is 100% uncertainty. Yes. Number two, in my view, the absolute worst thing I can do with my employees is give them false hope. Let me just build on a lot of what you said there. So involved in building part of our model this time, it is not a repeatable model. You would never use the same model for selection for two layoffs in a row. So that even further is the unpredictability problem you talked about. And then right. ine inevitably, all models are wrong. Some are useful. 
had to make sure I got that quote right, make sure, but, but it's true. The model is wrong. This is what is hard for me is one. It's just, there's a couple things that are hard for me. One is the model's wrong. I got it wrong, but it's an impossible to get right. I tried to get it as less, as least wrong as I could. And I know I didn't get it right. And even if I, if I could go back in time and do it again, I would do something different. I would get it wrong again. It's impossible to get right. There's a lot of guilt that goes with that. And then when you've heard me talk about how psychological safety is just so important on my teams and trust. And then when things like this happen, it's my role to be the messenger for the team and talk about why it happens and to share as much as I can. But it's hard for me because I try and be ultra transparent. There are legal reasons around this that make me, I can't be as transparent as I want to in everything that went into this, which is hard. And then also just the fact that it happens resets that trust level on the team. I have, I have work to go do again and that's hard also. So yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. I reread and I've been rereading the book I mentioned in our podcast with Dagna, this book called Healing the Wounds, Overcoming the Trauma of Layoffs and Revitalizing Downsized Organizations, because it talks a little bit about the layoff process, but it talks a lot about a lot more. The bulk of the book, and you should read it too, is about what you and I are experiencing is how to deal with deal with being the survivor of a layoff, because it feels fucking weird. To me... Like my superpower that has helped me for so long in terms of surviving the company, right, is is been fairly accurate around what sort of skills are going to be needed in the next three to five years and making sure that I'm developing myself in that direction. Learning what's important, right? There's this old book I read years ago. My dad was a director of program management and he he was a big fan of books by an author named Harvey McKay. And I read, it was all about perspective setting. You can't, like, we have seen all sorts of studies that like employee engagement is, is a real Real important thing to build within your team. Yep. The most most important thing, actually. It and, is. And the you know, Lencioni studies and research shows that that engagement with work has a massively hard correlation with the predictability and quality of what your organization produces, regardless whether it's software, widgets, sandwiches, whatever. Engagement, critical. Yes, Totally. As, as you and I work very strong to make our teams feel like our families away from our families, one thing... Let me interrupt you there because it's tough to even hear those words because when companies do things like this, it's not it's cogs in a machine. It's, it's reusable pieces. It's hard. No, it, it, that's what I was saying. It, it's like for me, a lesson I learned a long ago is that you absolutely should do that, but you should also put in constant reminders that this is a business and that business decisions will be made based off of business KPIs, right? Yep. So it, it's it, in, so when I go into this, it's like, okay, 
What kind of a business would you like to work in? One that feels like a family or one that doesn't? Well, obviously, duh. A very simple answer. Just like all great things that can be overdone, right? You can't, as you do that, you can't, you can't lose sight that it's a business. And that is, that is part of it that can ease this, the sting. Cause what's, what's, what's happened in a lot of places, it's a shocking reminder. When going back to the book, like there's a bit of advice that he gave the single best way to assure you are not impacted by layoffs is to make sure you're on the decision committee. And it sounds like a tautology, but to me, it's direction setting. Going back to modern testing principles. Principle number one is not key just for testers. It is key for everything you are doing in your career life. Hence the the slightly revised version that we have floating around. Right. It, It is... In your corporate world, every decision you make should be around, if if you want to minimize the probability, and this is no guarantee, but the only wisdom I have learned, if you want to minimize the probability of you being impacted by a shocking layoff, you need to pursue what makes you happy. That's obviously true. But you need to within those constraints around your motivations, your skill sets or whatever, you need to optimize all decisions you make around business impact. I'm thinking right now, I'm a data scientist. Well, there's a very few of us, right? Right now, that's, that's a good optimization. I am in Azure Core, which is a key it's not only the cloud is a key business of Microsoft, but I'm in Azure Core, which is the key business unit of Azure. I am having strategic imp, uh, impact across all of Azure. These these are all things that increase that probability of me providing business impact. I'm get, I get it, and pushing back just a little bit. Oh. I'm surprised. I want to go. I want to go back just a little bit because I want to go back to engagement. And the point is, I don't want to optimize what I do around making sure I don't get fired because that's that's not that's no. not engaging. Engagement comes from three things. Three, research shows us three things. You have to care about the work you're doing. It has to matter to you. Yes. To you need to know your manager cares about what you do. Research shows this, and you need feedback. Now that first one's really critical. If you're if you, and this is just kind of a tautology as well, if you like your work, you do better work. Mastery, autonomy, and purpose. Yes, going back to Dan Pink. So this is this is the, mas- this is the well, it's the uh, purpose part. God, I can't even think straight through all this. So what I worry about and what you just said is, are you optimizing your purpose? Is your purpose to not get fired? No. Because you, you made it sound like that a little, and that's where no, my pushback no. comes from. I, I, I am going to restate what I said. Every decision you make should be around optimizing business impact. Okay. Okay. Now, and I said that purposely. It says the absolute worst thing you could do is take a defensive strategy. I am going to do everything I can to avoid fill in the blank painful thing. Okay. That nearly always fails. Right. No, I get that. What you want to do 
is create a positive, impactful mission with one that would ideally also avoid the thing that you're afraid of, right? I, I used to tell people back in Microsoft, if you remember when we did the, uh, the scoring system, and let's just, you, you, you and I went, went through both of them. I got so a 4.5 once. Right. And now my question is, okay, and which model was that? Where 4.5 was good or bad? Oh, it was good. <laughs> right. It's when the best you could get was a five, but I never knew anyone that got a five. So I have gotten four O's in both models. Um, <laughs> the And when you get that negative message, the absolute worst thing you could do is respond out of fear and say, I got to do everything I can to avoid a 4-0 next time because I've heard of this rule that if I get too many of these in a row, I'm fired or whatever, right? And that's the wrong thing to do. So let's say a 5-0 is the best, best thing and you got a 2, right? You do not try to avoid the 2. What you do is you have a conversation with your manager and say, yeah, that was a sucky speed bump. But now let's have a coaching conversation around the reality of what do I got to do to get a four? Sure. And this, this goes back to purpose and it goes back to making sure right. you're, you're valuable being, you know, ensure you're valuable. But in the end, as I discussed before, the model is unpredictable. It is. So you can do all that stuff and still lose your job. Absolutely. So right. So even end, for me, even for me, like, uh, as I told you, what I told my employees, uh, the model, do I feel safe right now? No. Right. I, I am beginning to hear uh, rumors of the, n the next set of dates when the next hammer is likely to fall. Is that going to impact me? At that I can say yes. Because either it's going to impact me directly or it's going to impact me indirectly. The only thing I can do about it now is any sort of safeguards that I might put in play. If you don't have a backup plan, yeah, maybe, maybe it's worthwhile spending a few moments thinking up what that strategy might be. But don't over pivot on it. That's, that's number one. And number two... What I am finding right now is that I'm finding that this phenomenon is making me live in the present more than anything else. It's it's like, yep, I my career may die tomorrow. So what I'm going to do, because I know there's if it does, there's nothing I can do about it right now. There's no VP I could go argue, plead, beg. Nope. There's Nothing I can do about it right now, but it also seems semi-pointless. Seems unwise for me to go ahead and book that $30,000 va vacation in the summertime. Uh, of course, of course. Right? So I think we're, I, I get what you're saying. It's all true. I'm not sure if we're actually getting any deeper on this or actually, I'm not sure where we're going with this is my point. So... <laughs> Yet, yet try and keep your job. Losing your job sucks. And it's one thing. It's a little harder for me this time around with, I have the people laid off my order. For example, I know people like at Microsoft, you know, Jim and, and Dave would be brought up before who are, you know, they're good. They're really good at what they do. But the challenge is now there's a hundred thousand 
software engineers out there looking for jobs at the same time. So I worry a little bit about the market. I'm well, and, and it may just a, take a little longer for them to find their next gig. And and here is the here is the thing that you haven't thought about yet. I think the people who who at Microsoft, because again, I'm hearing rumors that that there's that there's multiple decision dates coming. Right, it's all going to close by by March, but there's more events. Right. Well, guess what? The people who got hit first. They have the advantage. They have a head start. Right. Right. And, and yeah, it, I think I may have brought it up. No, I have had, I've brought it up in other conversations. It reminds me of Moneyball, right? Where there's one scene in the movie Moneyball where the guys, uh, the guy says, you have a decision. There's nothing you can do about it. You're going to die tomorrow. But the decision is how. You could take a one bullet to the head or five to the stomach and, and bleed to death. That's that's your only choices. For me, that choice is clear. Right? If 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 it's not avoidable, then make it as painless as possible. Okay. Right? And please clue me into the metaphor. No, so if the issue is this is the first time where I've seen potentially big layoffs throughout the company that has multiple dates. And, and there was a big thing that happened a couple uh, last week and people are like, okay, well, is the decision closed? Am I safe now? And, and maybe it, it, so it's, it's kind of for those of us currently, for those of us currently surviving and are going to get hit the next time, that's sort of been shot in the stomach, right? So you're not only making it, you're not only killing them, but you're, right, they're anxious right now, right? Um, yeah, and, and that's something worth worth talking about. I don't or, think that's right. No, I don't think it's right either. But again, I can't recommend this book enough to explain like what you're going through and the impact of layoffs. So yeah, the anxiety of am I next, even if there aren't rumors, even if there aren't rumors, even if uh, you've been assured by your manager that your team won't be targeted for layoffs, you can't help but feel anxious about that. You can't help but worry about that. And it affects your productivity. It affects your engagement. It affects your morale. It, mm -hmm. it accelerates the oncoming of burnout and, and many other things. It's a traumatic experience. And I don't think I use that word lightly there. It's, it is, it is a form of trauma to have to go through all this. And there's deep emotional effects on the, on everyone involved and things like this. And it's tough. Yeah. And even, even surviving is not all that great. Right. No, it's not that, that, right. That's, <laughs> right. That's because the point. That's exactly what I'm saying. Because surviving you still, is not that great. You still have all this work that has to be done. But now you have X percent people to do it with. Yeah. Let me talk about that for a second and read you a quick story from the book. We can go back to the family metaphor of, mm. of is your team a family or not? So imagine a family, a father and a mother and four children. The family has been together for a long time, living in a loving, nurturing, trusting environment. So I want my org to be, I want my org to be nurturing and trusting. The parents take care of the children who reciprocate by being good. Every morning they have breakfast together, uh, which is a bonding experience for them. It's kind of like an organizational staff meeting. 
One morning, the children sense that something is wrong. The parents exchange furtive glances, appear nervous, and after a painful silence, the mother speaks. Father and I have reviewed the family budget, she says, looking down at her plate, avoiding eye contact, and we just don't have enough money to make ends meet. She forces herself to look around the table and continues. As much as we would like to, we just can't afford to feed and clothe all four of you. After another silence, she points a finger. You two must go. It's nothing personal, explains the father as he passes out a sheet of paper each of the children. As you can see by the numbers in front of you, it's simply an economic decision. We really have no choice. We have arranged for your aunt and uncle to help you get settled to aid in your transition. There's more. The next morning, the two remaining children are greeted by a table on which only four places have been set. Two chairs have been removed. All physical evidence of the other two children have vanished. The emotional evidence is suppressed and ignored. No one talks about the two who are no longer there. The parents emphasize to the two remaining children, the survivors, that they should be grateful, since after all, you've been allowed to remain in the family. To show their gratitude, the remaining children will be expected to work harder on the family chores. The father explains that the workload remains the same, even though there are two fewer of you. The mother reassures them that this will make us a closer family. Eat your breakfast, children, entreats the father. After all, food costs money. Uh, that's amusing. It's uh, it's amusing because it, it's sad. Well, it, it's... I mean, there's there's some there's some real parallels there. You know, I had to deliver one of these layoff messages myself, and it sucked. Right. That the reason why your story you just shared actually works, and the one thing that's the one thing that's missing from really the story is right the fear that the mother and father have around uncle or or cousin Bob uh, or the, the two, two children leaving and suing them. So it's not just a business reality, but a lot of the constraints that happen um, is because we live in a litigious society and you just can't, you can't be real because that could make things even worse. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I that that's I, I, yeah, absolutely true. So it's a mess, and it's again you have anxiety because you've heard rumors of things coming up, and um, it's hard because um, you know I think we don't need to read everything we've talked about. It's just the aftermath, and here's what bugs me. Here's what bugs me. I I didn't look this up ahead of time, but there is data and articles I've seen that show that layoffs make a very Maybe I should ask ChatGPT about this, but they make a very minimal to zero impact on revenue and and margin. Meaning the effect of combined with the productivity hit and everything else involved, you don't really save the companies save much less money than they think they do via layoffs. Yeah, I would I would want to see that. Yeah, I, I I saw one article, I, mean, it, I only glanced at it, but so anyway, maybe that's not true. I don't know. I mean, it, one of our readers will dig that up. So we talked a lot about layoffs. Yep. We talked a little bit about like the aftermath of I worry with myself um, and especially reflecting on our conversation with Dagna again on burnout. It's like I am like myself. I am angry more often. I have less tolerance for 
I get less tolerance in general. Uh, (laughs) I, I have a good guess for the missing, the fill in the blank word, but I won't share it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I I, I want it to, it'd be great to have, if Jim, if you're listening, you want to be on the podcast sometime, um, just get on here. We'll get your, get you telling stories, but I'm going to tell a story about Jim because it goes back to once in a while in this podcast, I talked to uh, one of my uh, employees this week. We've been one of my original employees at unity and we talk all the time and, and Hey Rasmus. And he was talking about the fact that we never talk about testing on this podcast anymore. So that's all right. We we're talking about the right stuff. We're talking about what's relevant. If there are things you want us to talk about, what you do is you join our Slack group and you can get there by going to moderntesting.org, clicking on the link, and then you can join it and go to the mailbag channel and tell us what to talk about or general or anywhere. It just, it's a hodgepodge. We do take a lot of input from that community and we'll, do you want us to talk about things? We'll talk about them. Otherwise, we're going to talk about whatever we want. I don't know what Brent is showing me, but um, it, he's showing me a picture that he drew. I don't know what's going on. This is so weird. My number one memory of Jimbo. Oh, Jim, yeah. We had these cameras. We're going to get two Jim stories. We had these really kind of interesting round table cameras. What did we use them with? I, I guess we must have used um, Link or Office Communicator. And what it was, was this camera that sat in the middle of the table with this little circle on top. And it would detect who was talking and change the camera to point you at who was talking. And Jim didn't like that. So we hung a little sticky face, a little sticky note in front of it with a drawing of a face. So every time he talked, it showed this little sticky note. That's what Brent's showing to the camera right now. (laughs) But that wasn't the story I was going to tell. Microsoft, they may still have this, but it's all self-serve creating a new distribution list, a new group, equivalent of a Google group. You go to this tool that looks like it was written in 1989. Is it still the same tool, Brent? What tool? The tool to create a new, I forget what it's called, the tool to create an auto group. The tool to create a new mailing list. Oh, no, that that's that's probably changed like four times. Oh, okay, okay, good. <laughs> but at, really early on, Jim created, because anyone could create a, a group. I've created thousands of us at Microsoft, probably. I'm sorry for my email sins of the past. But Jim created a group called Null. It was just him and uh, a couple people, and they just used it to, you know, kind of a joke, Dev Null. And, it, and just it was just a group called Null Forever, until it wasn't. One day when Jim was working on Xbox, he's, he came, <laughs> he was looking a little white, and he came out and told us that, all of a sudden, he was getting random emails not addressed to him all over the comp- from all over the company with some of them some private and sensitive information. Oh, geez. <laughs> what, what bug did he take advantage? No, let me so, ask. So was all- it called null or was it called the null string? No, it was called null, N-U-L-L, the string. Okay. So Jim is so ethically responsible. Uh, he blows me away. He immediately created a folder for all these things to go to contacted exchange, like a VP in exchange was on the phone with him in like five minutes going, what, what is going on? And they changed something. They started sending a bunch of uh, random mails. I don't know. I don't know what the bug was, but it was hilarious. So I reason I thought of it recently was Jim. A reason I found out Jim was laid off is he, you know, LinkedIn is an awkward place to go now because 80% of the posts are people saying I was laid off from my job and looking for work. 
Yeah. Jim went to post. He posted. It's really funny. He went to fill out like, I don't know. He showed a little picture of the form and where you put your company name. It put like EX, like for example, EX Microsoft. I thought it was funny because it said X Microsoft. I replied to him. I said, Jim, knowing you, you have to make your company name null and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it's a bummer. So I, uh, I also feel bad uh, because I screwed up Jim's life. I, I made Jim come to work on my team. You know, Jim worked on teams for a while. Yeah. I made him come work for me on teams. Cause I, I, I want him to do, cause Jim does awesome work and I wanted to bring his energy there. And he didn't want to come to downtown Bellevue, but I convinced him to do it. And then he came and then I, and then I quit, <laughs> but he, he went back to uh, internet Explorer after that, where he, where he worked for a long time. I hope Jim's doing well, but yeah, I love that null story. Uh, it took, this is great. This is like, as a tester, you may go, I'm going to try null as a group name. Okay. Nothing weird happens. It's fine. It's a, it's the long, slow hunch. It took like six, seven, 10 years for that null distribution list to become a bug. There's similar things. So there was this old tool that I built to back, back. This was back in the raid days. Do you remember raid? Yep. Raid kills bugs dead. Yeah. Yeah. So raid was, one I have of the, raid stories too. <laughs> raid was one of the first bug database management systems. Microsoft had. Right. And it was a piece of crap. But it worked. It was better than whatever was before. I don't so know I, that. I don't know that Product Studio ended up being better than no, Raid. But no. But I, I, finish your story. I'll tell a Raid story. Okay. So I had an auto mailer. This is back in the early days of Exchange, which, much like every early product team, the stupid vanity metrics was the only thing that mattered, right? And we were trying to ship, and we had too many resolve bugs that weren't closed, right? So my boss asked me to create a, uh, an auto nagger. I would have just bulk closed all the bugs, but whatever. That's what I would do today. And I've had conversations. I, I literally have had conversations with my senior executive. And I'm like, look, I will look you straight in the eye and just tell you straight up. I think this is the most efficient thing to handle it right now. If it hasn't been touched in two years, just close them all. Because if it's important and still relevant, it will come back. Yes. Oh, my God. What this thing did. So if you remember, if it wasn't assigned to anybody, you would assign it to active. Yes, I remember this now. Yeah. Remember that? Okay. My thing would look, okay, let's take out everything that's not assigned to active, and I will I will send it to whoever. No problem. Well, then I discovered that with an exchange, it was very common to... Assign it to DCR. Oh, okay. I remember DCR. Design change review or something? Design change request. Okay. Right? This is how they they hacked uh, that it's not a bug. It's actually somebody filing a future work item. And I didn't change my code because it turned out all those mails bounced. Therefore, it's no big deal. Until some poor dude joined Microsoft who got the email address DCR. And you and you completely filled his inbox. On freaking day one, I hammered the crap out of the guy. He's like, 
why? Why? Why are you doing this to me? And I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah, you may want to talk for multiple other reasons. You may want to talk to IT about changing your email before you get too used to it. Because you're going to get every bad, badly designed auto nagger sending crap to you. So, um, by the way, sometime you should look and see if uh, Microsoft has given Alan PA to anybody else yet. My raid story is when I f- first started, I'm going to look right now. I can't remember the version numbers and I wanted to find like a, I wanted to find the app for a screenshot for how we test software at Microsoft. But even then it was too old, but whatever the version, this is just classic hacking. Anyway, whatever version of raid it was when I joined Microsoft, it had a database limit of a, around 30,000. It would just stop working once you got like 31,000 bugs in it. Which sounds like a lot, but Windows 95 was a shit show. And uh, with a bunch of customer reported bugs in there too that end up being like grouped into one bug. So there was a lot of lot of stuff in there. I think two or three times during the Windows 95 cycle, we had to do this migration where you take all of the resolved and only resolved and active bugs and at the lock raid, all those resolved and active would move into the new database and then you'd start from there. So you start with, you know, 5,000 and, and, and build up again. Yeah, I've yeah, just I, hilarious. I executed multiple DB migrations. I'm extremely grateful that every single time it went off smoothly without error at all. I actually wrote a bug tracking tool at MidiSoft when I was there before Microsoft. I didn't know what I was doing. About once, it, I mean, I really, nothing. I knew nothing about what I was doing. It worked until it didn't. So at least once a day, I had to re- had to run an auto repair on the database and restart. And it's, it just, I was bad. I, I, it was, it was horrible. I could do much better today. Oh, I think for I sure. wrote it. I think I wrote it in Visual Basic. Right, but with some talked, access database. We've on the talked about this before. Right? Perhaps we have the bug database today. Uh, is for me, is very simple. It's my con. It's my Kanban board, and the number of bugs on uh, listed on the board is no more than ten, and they're yeah, all I, gone in forty-eight hours. Yeah, and maybe real quickly, it's worth mentioning is uh, the last thing on LinkedIn. There was someone posted around having a zero bug backlog, and what was interesting is there were a bunch of comments from the traditional testers. I'll call them like, well. Let's talk about what bugs are and maybe it's okay. It's like, you guys don't get it. What it means is deal with it or deal with it now or close it. No, that's it's deal with it now. Yeah, right. (laughs) Either way. Right. And they they missed the point on it, but I just thought it was interesting. Like they zero having zero bugs is a good thing. And the thing I pointed out that kind of quieted people or they just ignored me because they get mad at me because I have weird ideas like not having testers on, on development teams. And uh, I just pointed out that how much time do teams waste re-reviewing resolved bugs or re-reviewing bugs and deciding not to do anything with them? Just close them. Either just deal with them. Deal with them. Do something with them. Don't let them sit around. So anyway, uh, we got there from there from there, which was fun. We should probably close for today. We got um, got things to do. Get back on track. Brent is eating during the last 10 minutes of the podcast here. So I will try and edit out the lip smacking and, and you cannot imagine the pain it is to be the a in a B testing. 
Anything to say for yourself, Brent? I can imagine the pain. And now, oh, na- wait, wait, now wait. he's talking into his hand. I'm looking at the agenda. You had a question about analytics. No, we, Brent, I don't have time to talk about analytics. We'll talk about analytics next well, time. Well, then do the question as a cliffhanger. I don't know what the question is. I've forgotten. Oh, all right. Okay, then. The cliffhanger is this. This. I have never been a fan of movies or TV series based on video game because they always screw them up. I have changed my mind. Go watch The Last of Us on HBO. New series on new shows on Sundays. It is amazing. What is that based off of? The Last of Us. I have not played or seen either. post-apocalyptic zombies. Oh, I did the what was infected the by infected by mushrooms. Yeah, I don't know how this is going to make you feel, but I hear rumors of a studio making a feature film based off of Fallout. Mm, don't like it. It's going to suck. <laughs> but then that said, Starfield coming someday soon. I know. I'm I'm watching for Starfield. It's uh, from the makers of my two favorite games ever, Fallout and Skyrim. I can't wait. And and I'm not close on one Fallout update last. Uh, some time ago, I think I, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast or told you, but I've gotten back into Fallout 76. I had, I had lot, um, I just basically wiped my old character and started again back at level one. I am now back to the same level I was previously. And I will say I am enjoying the game. It's nowhere as near as good as four or five, but I am enjoying the game way better than I should go play it again. Um, I've played a little bit. I've been uh, so much for ending on time. I bought a switch and I've been playing Mario Odyssey all the time. Oh, I heard about that. I haven't played it yet. It's fine. We have have two switches. All right. This is a good place then. All right, everybody. Thank you for hanging out with us on the AB testing podcast. I'm a, I'm not. Bye. Walking on and I see you